0: Ephesians chapter number 4. I was sitting there listening to all of the good singing, the congregational singing, and just special. And I thought to myself, I just, I cannot for the life of me understand. I can't figure out why, why every Christian wouldn't want to be here tonight. I just don't get it. I really don't. It amazes me. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to back up this evening. And uh, maybe this morning, if you had been paying attention, you probably thought, well, the preacher skipped some verses. If we're preaching our way through the book of Ephesians, it seemed like I skipped over some, and I did, and I did so because I was trying to... Uh I was, for the time's sake, I thought the message this morning would be better in the morning than this evening. But that's a good thing about God's Word. You know, all of it's good. Verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil." I want to speak to you tonight about how to be good and angry. Notice this commandment here is sandwiched in between lying and the father of lies. The verse before, notice you've got the subject of lying. The verse after, you have the the subject concerning the father of lies, so it's easy to see how all three of these things relate to one another. And I think everybody would uh, agree if I said, you know, anger is a big problem in our world today because we see evidence of it nearly everywhere. And so it's a common problem, but it's also a very dangerous thing. In fact, anger is the first step toward murder. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. It was Jesus who said that when we're angry in our heart at a person and we harbor that anger toward another person, it's as though we're guilty of the sin of murder, just like lusting after another woman is the sin of adultery. Somebody says, well, it don't hurt if I look. Oh, yeah, it hurts a lot. When you begin to lust after someone else, then... You're guilty in God's sight of of the act of adultery. And so here the Lord says this anger is the first step when it comes to murder, and anger has done untold damage, and sometimes it gets the best of the best of men. So let none of us suppose tonight that we will never fall victim to anger, because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves acting out of character, and doing something that we later deeply regret. Every time I think of anger, I think of the story of Alexander the Great. Here is a man that had conquered the known world. Here is a man that I mean the most powerful man in the world. And yet in spite of that, he killed his best friend Cletus. The men were all drinking one evening, and as they were drinking, Cletus being the best friend of Alexander, thought that he would make some jokes about him and he began to ridicule the emperor right there in front of him and so blinded by his anger, Alexander grabbed a spear and threw it and it hit its mark and killed Cletus. He was so distraught that Alexander... Now here's a man that had conquered cities and conquered countries but could not conquer himself. And he was so distraught that he tried to take his own life with the same spear, and his men restrained him. For days he lay sick, calling out to his friend and chiding himself as a murderer. So it is. A lot of times those of us who succeed in a lot of other areas Fail greatly when it comes to controlling our own feelings. Now, I know we don't all go to that extreme, thank God, but we all have problems with anger, and we need to learn how to deal with it. Now, the first thing I want you to notice here in verse number 26 is that he begins with an imperative. Notice he says, Be ye angry. That's an imperative. I've heard some preachers try to explain that away. I've heard preachers and read after them, and they said there's really never any time that we are justified in being angry at all. I'm not a big cartoon reader. I never read the funnies in the newspapers. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I just don't do it. But a fellow by the name of Johnny Hart is the one that, that come up with the cartoon V.C., and he had one particular cartoon and had a big old slab of bologna with a knife sticking in it and this fly that landed there on the handle and he got down on the bologna and he ate and he ate and he ate and then he went back up on the handle and started to fly away and he made a circle or two around that that knife and ka-plop, just fell flat. And the, the catchphrase at the bottom of the cartoon was, the lesson is, don't fly off the handle when you're full of baloney. And so I I think there's some preachers that have done that, you know. I think they're full of baloney when they get up and say that we ought to never be angry because this is an imperative. I mean, you can study what the... Experts in grammar. I'm not one of them, but I can study what they say and and, and look at the Greek, and, and it's absolutely an imperative, and it's good advice. Listen, any person that has convictions and character is going to get angry at times. And any honest person will admit that they do. By the way, when certain things happen, we ought to get angry. Anger is not a sin. In fact, do you know the Bible even tells us that God gets angry over in Psalm 7 and verse 11. It says, God's angry with the wicked every day. We ought to be angered by the things that anger God. We ought to be angry, but we ought to be good. So we ought to be good and also angered. Instead of venting our anger In a sinful way, we need to deal with it as promptly as possible. And that's why he makes this statement. He says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, deal with that anger before it does damage. If you look at the words here in verse number 26, angry and wrath in verse number 26, and verse 31, the word angry if you, if you look at those words and take a, a concordance, you'll notice that all three of those words are different in the Greek language. There's also three different kinds of anger that we need to deal with, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Dealing with anger and understanding there are three different kinds of anger. First of all, we need to conquer raging anger. This word, angry, in verse number 25, literally means to tremble with anger. Have you seen someone get so mad, they just begin to tremble, begin to shake? I'll never forget when I was in high school, I had this one buddy, bless his heart, he's dead now, but he was one of my very best buddies. Ronnie was Considerably uh, shorter than I was, and weighed a whole lot less than I did. And but uh, Ronnie was a good egg, so to speak. And I'll never forget. And he he did it. I don't know how many times we'd uh, we'd get in a situation where we're going to fight somebody, and and I've had Ronnie push me in the back and said, "Go on, go on, get in, I'm right behind you." And I thought, man, I don't need you back there. Get up here, dude. I mean, you know, we didn't use the word dude back then, but uh, cat, it was cat back then. Come on, cat, get up here. But I'll never forget Ronnie when he got real angry. He just shook. I'd never seen anybody do that before. I mean, he'd just shake, and his voice began to quiver, you know. And that's what this word means. It's talking about being angry to the point that you're literally trembling. And, and he tells us here that we ought to deal with that, conquer that, before the sun goes down. Now, the question is, what do we do? How do we conquer this anger in our life? How do we conquer raging anger? Let me give you three things. Number one, admit it. You know, if it wasn't so serious, it would really be funny when we hear people say through their clenched teeth, and with a red face and a grit in their voice, I'm not mad. <laughs> oh, What makes you think I'm mad? Well, it might be that your eyes are about to pop out of your head, you know, and the veins in your neck are about to explode. You see, most people don't want to admit that they've got a problem with with anger, And uh, it usually leads to a good bit of line, which we've already covered. You know, some people are like a time bomb. They're just, I mean, ready to explode. And that's why road rage is an everyday occurrence. I mean, the nicest, mild, and meek person, all of a sudden, they get out on the highway, and all of a sudden, they become a raging maniac on the highway, I'm not going to stay here long so you can, you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Hey, look, we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? But you know there's some people that just can't conquer that or don't conquer that. And, I mean, that's just the way they are all the time. And it's not a matter of just getting a little bit perturbed. I mean, man, they want to fight. Listen, when I moved to Texas, i would never been around people did what people did down here. I mean, when they whipped around you and cut in, don't even signal and cut you off, That's listen, that's fighting stuff back up in Missouri. You don't do that to people. And I hadn't been here but a few months. And boy, down here on 59, I was going north on 59, and some man and a woman, they went around me and did that. I got so mad, I went around him. Boy, I cut him off. Here he comes again. He cuts me off. I cut him off. He pulled over, and I streets right up in behind him. And I got to thinking, how is this going to look? Pastor <laughs> arrested. Pastor in jail for fighting, you know, road rage. I just put it in gear and went on. If he wanted to think I was a coward, that was all right. But I, I figured that was the best thing I ought to do. But what I'm saying is, folks, we've got to be so careful with things like that. And it's not just out on the road. It's on the, in the homes. I, I, listen, our courts are absolutely filled with domestic violence cases. And yet people continue to deny that they've got a problem with their anger. The first step in solving any problem we've got is admitting that we've got a problem. If a person is an alcoholic, they'll never conquer you know, their problem until they admit, I'm an alcoholic. Right? But we want to go on pretending like, I don't have a problem with anger. It, you know, it just happens every once in a while. Like one woman said, she said, you know, well, she said, yeah, I get mad once in a while, but it's like a shotgun blast, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just did it. Or, or she said, I just did it all out and then it's over. And the fellow listened to her and said, yeah, but that's the way a shotgun blast is. But look at all the damage it does. You know, you just vent your feelings and and, uh, say what you want to say, but the damage has already been done by them. We've got to admit, you know, I've got a problem in this area. And, And it's difficult to conquer that problem, especially for some of us guys and this pride thing in us. I could tell some other stories about me, but I'm not. I want you to think I'm, you know, a little closer to perfect than I am, I guess, but... I remember me and brother Dennis Maxey was down fishing one day, and I and and it wasn't his. He just sat there, in old innocent brother Dennis sitting there, we was fishing away, you know, and uh, these guys just kept we was catching fish, and they kept throwing right over there, nearly in our boat, and I and so finally I said something about it, and uh, anyway, I I won't go there. I'll just leave it at that. I, and here I am out with the deacon and the pastor, and I mean I'm ready to fight, boy. I mean that. Uh, this is nonsense what you guys are doing. And uh, and we've got to admit that we all have certain areas of our life that are difficult for us to control, and that's one of them in mine. You know, you know the Bible talks about lay aside every sin, you know. I, I believe folks have besetting sins. Certain things that, that are difficult for us might be easy for somebody else, but it's difficult for us. If you've got a problem with anger, you need to confess it. You need to admit it. I've got a problem. Admit it and then ask for help. You start out by asking God for help. Ask God to help you with your anger. Whenever Paul's speaking about the fruit of the Spirit and he gives a list of nine different things, when he gets down to the bottom, he uses the word temperance that means self-control. God can help us with our anger. So ask God for help. And by the way, not only can you ask God for help, not only should you, but sometimes we need to ask others for help. The Bible says that we're to confess our faults one to another. But we don't want to do that, do we? We want to leave the impression that we've got our act together, that everything's A-OK with us. If anybody's got a problem, it's you. I sure don't have one. But I think it does us a lot of good sometimes, especially to our dear friends, people that we know that love us and that we can be upfront and honest and say, look, I'm having a real struggle in this area of my life and I want you to really pray for me. Then, a third thing that you might think about, not not only should we admit it, not only should we ask for help, But there's a matter of accountability. Now, let me say this. I'm not big on what some folks call accountability groups. If that works for you, that's fine. That's just not, you know, something that I put a lot of stock in. But I do believe in good friends. I believe that good friends can be a big help. And that as friends, we can be accountable to one another. I'll tell you what, whenever I think of all of the people that I know and all of the friends that I have, I mean, I. in fact, it does not take all five of my fingers to count all of the men that I would feel comfortable enough with that I could just literally spill my guts and talk to them about the things that are troubling me. But thank God for those who do have friends that you can be accountable to. I'll never forget a few years ago, one of the men in the church came to me and acknowledged a problem in his life and made the statement that I want to be accountable to you. And I, I, I listen, whenever you see me getting out of line in this area, I want you to call that to my attention. You know, it takes a lot of humility to do that. Not many people are willing to do that, by the way. So it doesn't hurt for us to make ourselves accountable to others. Husbands and wives can make themselves accountable to one another and it can be a big encouragement. We need to conquer this raging anger before it destroys us and hurts others. Secondly, we need to confess our repressed anger. You see, a lot of blow-ups could have been avoided if the person would have dealt with the anger that was seething within them. You know, it's kind of like a volcano. It just it builds up and it builds up until finally it erupts. And so we need to deal with it rather than repressing it. And to do that, we need, number one, you need to recognize the source of your anger. Some folks are angry, but you ask them why, and they say, I don't know, I'm just angry. I've met people like that. I don't know why I am just angry. Now, maybe they do, and maybe they don't. But with a little bit of honest self-examination, I think we can usually discover what the problem is. And some people, you know, they've harbored this anger in their heart for so many years now because of something that happened years and years ago. Isn't that sad? It happened way back then and they're still miserable. The person that hurt them, the person that injured them is not even thinking about it. And they're living in torment. They're getting off scot-free, so to speak, and you are tormenting yourself because of what somebody else did. We need to recognize the source of our anger. Then we need to recognize the sin of our anger. Not only must we uncover the repressed anger, we need to call it what it is, and it's sin. And what does God say to do with it? He tells us to deal with it. Notice, without any delay... Let not the sun go down on your wrath. So stop trying to ignore it. Stop trying to justify it. What do we do? We confess it, just like we would confess any other sin. You know, that would save a lot of marriages if we would do that. A lot of couples go to bed at night, night after night, with unresolved anger in their heart. Now, sometimes they don't argue. But the anger is there, and it's just like a cancer that's eating away at the relationship, and they become more and more anger. You know, it's all turned inward, but it's eating away and destroying the relationship. And when we feel that way toward others, we need to recognize it, for what it is. So we recognize the source of our anger. We recognize the sin of our anger. But then we need to also recognize the slavery of our anger. Because when we refuse to deal with it, when it is repressed, when we hold it within, eventually we become a slave to it. I'll never forget a little paperback book I bought many years ago. I think it had first come out probably 30 years ago. It was written by a doctor by the name of S.I., I think S.I. McMillan, and it's entitled, None of These Diseases. A remarkable book. I don't know if it's in print anymore or not, but it just really was, a, was an amazing book. And uh, Dr. McMillan wrote in that book these words about anger. He said, the moment I harbor anger toward a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentment produces too many stress hormones in my body, and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. My anger hounds me wherever I go. I can't escape its tyrannical grasp on my mind. When the waiter in a restaurant serves me porterhouse steak with french fries, crisp salad and strawberry shortcake smothered with ice cream, it might as well be stale bread and water." My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but my anger will not allow me to enjoy it. The man I am angry with may be many miles from my house, but more cruel than any slave driver, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my inner spring mattress becomes a rack of torture. Do you know what he's talking about? Have you been there, done that? You felt that way, that anger just, it's building up until you feel like you are about to explode. It might be tonight that there's someone here that's just been holding this anger in and, and it's gone on year after year. Listen, you might have reached that place that you can't even remember what you're really angry about. You know you had a bad childhood, but you don't even remember what it was all about. It's kind of like the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys. You don't know why you're fighting. You just know you're supposed to be feuding. And so you go on, the anger raging in your heart. And if we don't conquer it, that that anger, that repressed anger, it will ultimately destroy us. Now, here's the third kind of anger that we need to deal with, and that is we need to channel... Our righteous anger. Let's go back and review. Number one, we need to conquer our raging anger. Number two, we need to confess our repressed anger. Number three, we need to channel our righteous anger. Do, do you know that anger can actually be used for some good? You know, to control that anger is one thing. You know, to get so mad you want to punch somebody in the nose, but you control yourself and you don't do it. That's one thing, but actually to channel that into some useful activity is another. So instead of letting your anger lead you into some evil, use your evil for some good. And here's two things to keep in mind. Number one, don't attack the person. Now, don't misunderstand. People can be very unfair They can be cruel, but that does not give us the right to return evil for evil. That's the opposite of what the Bible tells us to do. We're to do good unto our enemies according to the Bible. Not anything wrong with hating sin. I said a while ago, we ought to hate what God hates. God hates sin, but God loves the sinner, so we ought to hate sin but love the sinner. Remember, vengeance belongs to God. It's never our place. To take out vengeance on other people. I, I've made the statement on a few occasions that sometimes because of the struggles that I go through in trying to keep this center under control, I, I, I've, I've often felt like I'm the dirty Harry among preachers. You know, if I'd been living back in the old days and been unsaved, I would have been one of the vigilantes out there. I mean, that's the way I am by nature. I'm sorry. I know it's not right, you know. And, uh, that's not the way we're supposed to be. But that's the way I, I've been all my life by nature. If I see somebody, you know, taking advantage of somebody else or hurting somebody else, I, look, I want them to pay. That's just not fair. That's not right. And I have to remind myself we live in a fallen world and that we're all sinners, all of us. And listen, if I retaliate and I do to that other person what he's doing to somebody else, then I become just like him. I'm no better than he is if I do that. Vengeance belongs to God. Don't take it out on somebody else. I mean, listen, you don't have the right to do that. So you say, well, I'm going to get even if it's the last thing I do. It might be the last thing you do. You know, by the way, whenever we talk about attacking other people. We do that in a lot of different ways. I, uh, I said the other day I was going to someday preach a sermon using this uh, right here. The, this is a, an original, absolute, this come from the Zulus over in Africa, a Zulu fighting stick. That thing is made out of some hard, exotic wood like you wouldn't believe. And my my dear friend, Brother Nat Simpson, who's a missionary over there, and he brought that back to me, and he talked about how he's seen them out there fighting with those things, and, and, and they just knock each other silly with those fighting sticks. And I've often thought, you know, we Christians do the same thing. Now, we might not use a broad axe, or we might not use a fighting stick like this, but a lot of times we do things trying to get even with people, as it were, trying to take vengeance on people that hurt us. Listen, instead, instead of a Zulu fighting stick, it might be the cold shoulder. We don't slit their throat. We just keep them out there at arm's distance. Just We're not, we're not going to let them get close to us. We don't want anything to do with them. We're going to hold them right out there. And the strange thing is, usually, usually, we want them to know what we're doing. We don't want it to be so obvious that they can make an accusation against us. Because, you know, when we're called on the carpet about our sin, you know, you know, our favorite phrase is, well, I didn't mean anything but that. You just misunderstood now, we've got all of these excuses for our neglect of people, but that's just another way of dealing with the anger that is in our heart. We just hold them out there. Now there's a whole lot of other things, and I'll bet right now, if I, well let's just do. How many different fighting sticks can you think of that people use whenever they're angry at someone? How many, how many different things can you think of that people use just to kind of get back at that person? Anybody? What? Gossip. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah. I'll show them. I'll tell everything I know about them. Anybody else think of something? What? I can't hear you. Indifference. That's good. That's kind of like holding them at an arm's length. Brother Nolan? Uh Uh-huh. Can you find out what? Yes, absolutely. So folks, listen, the best thing to do is get rid of all those fighting sticks. Put them down. Vengeance belongs to God. You let God do His business. You don't need to try to get even with other people. And you see, whether you hit them with a broad axe or whether you hold them out there at arm's uh, arm's length with indifference like Delia said, listen, it's all the same. It's sin in the sight of God. Don't attack the person, but address the problem. I said, you know, we need to be good and we need to be angry. Good can motivate us to do good things. I always think of the example of mad. Mothers against drunk drivers driving. Somebody suffered a horrible, horrible tragedy and lost a loved one. You can bet they were angry about that. They took the life of their child. And instead of of bemoaning that for the rest of their life, they channeled their energy in a good way and did something constructive. You know, that's what we need to do. Jesus, listen, Jesus was angered and He cast the moneylenders out of the temple. That's right. Listen, He got rid of them, but He never launched a personal attack against them in the sense that He was going to make them pay. He was merely correcting a wrong in their life and letting it be known that this is not the way God's house is supposed to operate, you see. Here's the problem. Somebody says, well, I'm really, you know, I'm not mad. It's just righteous indignation. And they're, you know, righteous indignation, that's fine. The problem is sometimes our so-called righteous indignation is not really all that righteous. Sometimes we get angry about something and we try everything under the sun to justify it. And what the person did to us is absolutely wrong. No questions asked. But our attitude toward that person is also wrong. And and, and we need to deal with that. Now, listen, here's the problem. The problem is whenever we get angry with other people and we want to get even with them and we sit in judgment of them, the problem is we never have all of the facts. God knows all of the facts. He knows all of the details. And we don't. It's... Very common for people under stress to act out of character. Don't dare judge somebody by what they do on occasion as a result of stress in their life. I, to- I told the story we had a men's camp out down at Dolan. <laughs> I'd never cussed in front of my, my kids in my life. I mean, never. And we was down there, and to make a long story short, as Brother Fred says, I, David Matthew was out in the boat, and I think Tim or Jason, one, was out there, and he said, I got a fish, I got a fish, and he, he's hung up, and he was yanking and pulling, and I said, finally figured out, no, son, you're you're in the motor, trolling motor, you know, and he's pulling his pole down, so I, I'm back there, and I try to get hold of the, of the line and get it out and and he thinks he's got a fish and he's yanking as hard as he can and and the hook comes up and gets in my hand and he's still yanking on it on the other end. And I said a couple of words they'd never heard daddy say in their life. Boy, I was so sorry about listen but I, I was totally out of character. I would certainly hope my kids would never judge me the rest of my life on what I did on occasion. I had one one church member come in some years ago, and he, 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 came, he came to my office, and he said, I just wanted to come by and let you know. He said, I want you to take my name off of the roll. And I said, why? He said, I'm getting ready to go over to so and so's house, and I'm going to beat the living daylights out of them. <laughs> so I, I began to investigate, and after he told the story, I almost said, wait a minute, brother, I'm going to come help you. No. (laughs) Not really, but when I heard the story, folks, I did understand. I understood that man was under a lot of stress at that moment. And listen, he was about to lose his cool. And uh, so we've got to be so careful in judging other people. And call it what it is, if you're angry, if you're bitter towards someone else, folks, you need to deal with that. Listen, we can't even worship God if there is aught between us and other members. That's why Jesus said, if we come, you know, to worship God, He said, there you remember your brother hath aught against thee. He said, leave your gift at the altar. In other words, forget about trying to worship Me. And He said, you go and first be reconciled to your brother. I believe that would really change the atmosphere of a lot of churches if we would just deal with all of that junk that's in our life and go to that person and say, I am so very sorry for the way I felt about you or the things that I did to you. Those are the kind of things that we cannot just sweep under the rug and ignore and expect God to bless us as a church. Now, While I'm talking about that, and I'm almost through, while I'm talking about that, let me say this. You need to be very, very careful when you do this. If there is a feud going on between you and somebody else, and it's obvious you need to deal with it and you need to go to them. If you've just, for whatever reason, you've just just been angry with someone, and, and, and you know, maybe it shows. You know, here's, here's the sad thing, and I in fact, I'm going to deal with this in another message, I think. A lot of times, we just leave people in limbo as to how we really feel about them. Well, we're not going to tell them. We don't want them to know. We're not going to say, I love you, or I forgive you, or, or anything else like that. In other words, if you're going to get any encouragement, you're going to have to go somewhere else. You're not going to get it from me. So a lot of people like that. But a lot of times somebody might be angry with someone else for something and it's just seething within, it's affecting the relationship, but the other person don't know anything about it. Well, let me tell you, it's not necessary for you to go to that other person and say, you know, for the last six months, I've hated your guts. If they don't know it, you don't need to go tell them that. You need to talk to God about it and deal with it between you and God. Now, if if it's out in the open kind of argument going on between the two of you, yeah, you go to them. If it's just some feelings that you have inward, you keep it between you and God. Because listen, if you don't and you go to them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to open up a whole another keg of nails. You're going to cause that problem, uh, that person, to have to deal with with that problem in his life. And certainly, if there's something going on between two of you or three of you, or, boy, listen, I I sat down the other day, no, I'm not going to go there. I've got something on my mind that some of you better get a handle on some things that you're doing because you're making it obvious to everybody's got a computer. You better settle it without having it out there on the computer because people are reading stuff. But whenever there is a conflict going on between two or three of you, deal with it amongst yourselves. You don't need to come before the church and let the whole church know what's been going on between, between the two of you. There's no reason for them to know that. The two of you need to deal with it between each other and with God. God. But you need to deal with it, folks. And we're talking here about channeling our righteous anger into some useful activity. We think about the condition of the world and what have you. Sometimes we get so angry we just think we'll get on a crusade of ranting against Obama or whatever it is, you know. And it's really easy to do that. He makes it easy for you to do that. But if we'll channel our anger into some useful activity like saying, look, you know, as bad as the world is, there's not anything I can do to change the world except one person at a time by serving God in such a way that it will bring other people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's using your anger. Get mad at sin. Get mad at the devil. Get so mad that you do so. Get so mad that you go to Bubba and say, I want a Sunday school class. I want to teach a Sunday school class. I want to make a difference in the lives of boys and girls. And he says, well, we don't need another class right now. We don't have, a, we don't have an opening right now. We've got teachers for all of our classes." You might say something like this. If I go out here and get ten boys and girls, is it okay if I teach them? Listen, we'll make room for you to teach them. You go get them. Bring them in here. You teach them. Channel your anger into some useful activity. That's righteous anger. Be angry, but also be good. Be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down. On your wrath, I'm looking out the window. It won't be long before the sun will have set. Now's the time to deal with whatever anger it is you're harboring in your heart. Let's all stand. Father, I'm so glad that you have forgiven me of the times that I've just played the part of a fool And those instances that I've talked about here tonight, by way of illustration, I am so ashamed of the way that I behaved during those times. And Lord, I'm glad that You're willing to forgive me and You're willing and able to help me to conquer those weak areas of my life. And I just pray tonight that each one of us might examine our hearts. There may be parents here tonight that are so very angry with their children, or there might be children that are so very angry at their parents. They're so angry that it's affecting all of the decisions that they make. It's so angry that they cannot even enjoy the good things You give them. So God help us tonight, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a whether it's a parent-child relationship or whether it's maybe some feud going on between church members, may we tonight not let the sun go down on our wrath, but deal with it before terrible damage is done. In Jesus' name, while we stand and as we sing, as God's speaking to your heart tonight, you come.